This podcast is brought to you by the Yes Collective, a team of psychologists, therapists, coaches, and healers who use the profoundly powerful yet gentle framework of internal family systems to produce collective experiences that change the course of people's lives. Follow us at yescollective.co and on Instagram and Facebook to learn more. Welcome to the Yes Collective Podcast. This week, our very special guest is Lisa Gunger, an artist, author, yoga instructor, and a facilitator in Yes Collective's new Root Work Immersive Circles. When I was introduced to her at our very first Root Work pilot retreat, she was just Lisa, the yoga and ecstatic dance teacher that one of the other facilitators had invited. But I later found out that she is a Grammy-nominated Christian indie rock musician who traveled the world, started churches, and then later left Christianity and her entire career and identity behind. So not only does Lisa have a super fascinating story, she's an all around amazing human being. So we had to have her on to talk about her journey, what led her to make such a monumental move away from Christianity and the church, and how she came to facilitate retreats focused on a this world sacredness. If you care about making massive life transitions, finding new identities and meaning grounded in honesty and compassion and stepping into the everyday sacred, you're going to love this interview with Lisa Gunger. Welcome to the Yes Collective podcast, Lisa. So I wanted to start off by just saying a few words about how I know you. And it's been an interesting uh, journey. So I know you from our work together with the Yes Collective and the Root Work program, but I first met you when we were starting off and piloting the very first Root Work. And one of the facilitators invited you to work your magic there. And so you came in and you did yoga and ecstatic dance and some like relational practices and eye gazing. And it was awesome. It was, um, it was exactly what we needed at the retreat. And then we got a chance to work together further, but it wasn't till quite a ways down the road that I found out that you're like a famous musician and <laughs> who's <laughs> traveled the world and you have a super fascinating story and you are an all around amazing human being. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was like, wait, what? She does what? And then what? And then she did what? And then was like, whoa, okay. So I wanted to have you on the podcast even just cause like you're a really great, you know, retreat facilitator. But um, then oh, I learned you. all this other stuff. It was like, oh my gosh, well, we gotta, we gotta have her on. So how does that land for you? Oh, thank you. I mean, uh, that's very, it's a lot of generous things. I could start in a million different places. Okay. I mean, we could we could just keep it like really professional and just let's talk about retreats and facilitation um, and, you know, the more like therapeutic, uh, e you know, emotional health, personal growth stuff. 
but your history is way too interesting to start there. So we got to like take it all the way back. So I, yeah, let's take it back. Your whole life story is really cool and interesting. So if you were to think about your life as a series of chapters, you know, like you're writing the memoir. And so what would you want to say about chapter one? Like would chapter one have a particular theme? Like how would you approach chapter one in the life of Lisa? Yeah. Um, I'm like, well, interesting you say that. I don't know if I would still term it like this, but I guess this does give some nice framework. I, I wrote a book about this, like my story in the world, my piece of the puzzle in the world, and sectioned it off into three different like movements. And so the first, I kind of see it as this, like the first chapter would be uh, like a dot. I went to art school. And I just liked how I liked the lessons on perspective and how like well, the first that I read about this in, in my book, how like the teacher was like, what is, you know, what is this? And I was like, it's a dot or is it a, a line or is it a, you know, 3D object? It all depends on like where you're looking at, like the perspective that you get on something. So I would say the first is just this dot, like where we all start. Like this was my little, I grew up in this tiny little town. This was the perspective I had. It's this tiny little town in New Mexico, real south, southern New Mexico. Like when I was there, I had one stoplight and it was just like, I didn't, I like traveling and going to other places in the world was just like the craziest thing. I just couldn't, I just always dreamed about it. And then when I finally started to travel, it was just kind of blew my mind. Um, so yeah, it, it was a very limited, like we all, start this very limited perspective on the world that's given this very specific framework. Um, I was raised very like strict Christian, specifically more evangelical. My mom and I went to this really wild charismatic church, but before that I was like Baptist and the Methodist. And then my dad was a Baptist and he's, he still is. Um, and it was, very engulfed in purity culture, which for those who don't know what that is, it's like, you know, you're saving sex for marriage. You're, um, so what that, it, it creates a pretty hot, um, environment for Christian kids. <laughs> you know, you're like doing everything you can ex- except, except having sex. So it was yeah. just this very, this very strict, um, upbringing, but also a very, caring, loving upbringing, but I'd really felt like I was like, looked at like under a microscope. I'm just like, Oh, oh I'm going to do something wrong. And so like, I was a very seemed I felt like a very, like I was a rule follower. Like my, the things that I did as a kid that I felt were risky was like sneaking out of the house and going on a walk in the alley with my boyfriend, you know, mm, I like, yeah, didn't yeah. do any drugs. I didn't drink. I didn't, you know, I wasn't to me, wasn't yeah. doing anything crazy. So it was just like a real, Real, real rule follower as a kid, and just was like, I loved, I thought I loved Jesus more than anyone ever had. <laughs> oh, right. You yeah, think like, you love Jesus? Uh, <laughs> you haven't looked into my heart, okay? Yeah, <laughs> I know. That is how I felt. I was like, I don't know what you fuckers are doing. I didn't say fuckers then. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So, yeah. when does, uh, uh, so, so what? Are some of the things that happen to move us from chapter one into chapter two? I think it was just encountering other people. And I mean, I went off to college. 
started hearing that some, I mean, this sounds so wild now, but I'm like, it was in college. It was the first time that I heard people in religion, inside religion, um, questioning seven day creation. That was college. I mean, I had already had my questions mm -hmm. about it, but it was like, I was told, no, you know, don't question. That's against the rules. These aren't okay. Yeah. Yeah. So felt a little bit more of that freedom once I went, once I left home. And then we started playing music and eventually started traveling. And it really so was. So I'm curious about, like, I love, for me, I love this, to use a, you know, like a slightly better word, like these kind of liminal transitional moments where you're, you're like the world for you is starting to feel different. The ground mm. beneath you starts to shift. And so you're at college. What did that feel like? Was there fear or was it like a sense of expansion of like, oh, now I can start to question this stuff? Or was there like resistance? I think there was both. There was definitely both. It was, there were some places it felt like, oh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not strange for questioning this stuff because I already had been. Um, and I felt a lot of fear. I mean, I... I, there were so many things that were like going down. I, th I thought I was a really, a really good Christian for like, I went to two different churches. So the, the guy that I started seeing, I, I was like leading music at one place. And then I started dating this guy and he was a music leader at his dad's church. And so my church back home just. Did you love Jesus more than anybody, but you <laughs> yeah. are going to two churches. Beat that. Two. <laughs> two, baby. <laughs> like, what others can I go to? Give me more. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And like in my mind, I seriously am I'm like, man, I'm just like, I am devoted. And mm. I didn't know at the same time what was happening was like my church back home was like, you shouldn't be going to another place. This is, we can only, we like oh, say sure. which ones places oh, sure. you can go to. So that was such a shock yeah. to me. So I'm going, okay, what is happening? This like tearing feeling. So an expansion and a tearing feel at the same time. And it was very confusing. I lost all my, all my friends from my hometown. They told me they couldn't be my friends anymore. And so I'm feeling this expansion of like this new world opening up. And then I'm losing all this stuff that I came from. And it was, it was weird. I didn't really like talk to anyone about it because I didn't know. I thought maybe something really was wrong with me. So I didn't talk about it. Like I even, yeah, it, there were things that happened. I was just that I didn't talk about for years because I was so scared that I was wrong and that I was, that I was bad. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. you highlight something that I <clears throat> came to understand through my young adulthood and into adulthood is like the beliefs that we hold, like the things that we think there is this massive social component to it where like, I, yes. you know, I'm holding on to a lot of my beliefs for social reasons, not because these beliefs make any sense. And I think we, yeah, we actually had a talk about this. Um, the pastor, uh, Carlton, um, oh, I, I can't remember his name. What was Carlton Pearson? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the yeah. Uh, This American Life story, and then there's a movie yeah. on this, and so you mm -hmm. can, all, you know, I'll I'll put the link in uh, the show notes. 
Um, but he lost everything because yeah. of his beliefs because, or because of, yeah. of a change in his beliefs. And it's yeah. very clear like, oh, it's difficult to change our beliefs, not because of the evidence or we don't know how to look for evidence. We don't know how to reason or, but it's because we are going to lose all of our friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. really, yeah. <laughs> all of our friends, our family. Yeah. 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 Possibly, you know, depending on your line of work, which mine was, is I yeah. worked in the church, you know? Yeah. So it's like your yeah. career, so friends, family, So you lose your everything. career. Yeah. You lose mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember watching that. I remember watching that Pearson. I was like watching it on, on the news. And I remember thinking that like, I think I agree with him. Like I'm, you're like, all right, this is amazing. Oh, but he's, he's losing everything. And like the people of the other people in the room were like, Oh, uh, you know, another we lost another one. <laughs> another one's gone to the dark side with the devil, and I'm just like, oh, well, yeah. And too. so, I just for listeners who aren't familiar with the story, I'll tell it really quickly. But he, so he had a mega church. Uh, this is in Tulsa, right? Tulsa, yeah. Oklahoma, I, I think. Mm -hmm. And so has a mega church successful, everything's going great. And then one day he's watching the news with his family and he sees some horrible, like just, just like famine or civil war or something in, um, in some country. I don't know if it was, if it was Africa or South mm -hmm. Asia and, and he ha just has this epiphany. It's like kind of a Paul on the road to Damascus, sort of just like blast and mm -hmm. he realizes or he gets this message that Jesus died on the cross for everybody, period. There's nothing more to do. Like these, these, these kids he's seeing on the news who are suffering and are dying and may have heard about Jesus or not. It doesn't matter. They're saved. Like every, everyone's saved. There's nothing that you every, need to mm -hmm. do. Everyone's and, in. Yeah. Yeah. Ev like everyone's in, it's done. And so he waits. If I remember correctly, he waits a little while and then he tells his wife and his wife's like, don't tell anybody like this is, this is going to ruin everything. Just don't. Mm -hmm. And he kind of holds on to for a bit. And then he tells his like assistant pastor, his like lead assistant pastor and the lead assistant pastor, like, don't tell anybody. Don't tell like, anyone. Just, just, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then he would hold, hold on to it. And then, and then he would tell his staff and they're like, don't tell anybody. And then he would hold on to it. And then, and then he told the whole church and, you know, and, so Every and he does. Away. It, yeah. at the at the end of the story, at least on the This American Life episode, he is leading a a congregation of like twelve or ten um, <laughs> in the basement of an Episcopal or of a, like a Korean Episcopal church, and so it's like he's now down to just a handful of people, and he's there, and he's. Yeah. leading it on like a Sunday afternoon after the Episcopal church is done and they're, they mm -hmm. just give him the basement, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it was a powerful, powerful episode, but yeah, it speaks to, speaks to how, I mean, the stakes are high, right? Yeah. The stakes are, the stakes are so high. And this was, this was before everything that fell apart for us. I think we had been questioning some things, a, a met a very major turn for Michael and I, so we at this time we had been traveling. Our band started getting invited out to places. We we had been the um, the house band for a big youth event called 
um, Teen Mania, and they had these big things called Battle Cry. And then just somewhere along the way, it just that started unraveling for us. Um, so we stopped doing these things and just started getting invited out more just with, with the songs that we were doing. And, and then we took a trip to Europe um, with Michael's family. And Michael and I, we took trains from Rome all the way up to Krakow. And we went and visited the concentration camps. And I think even at that point, I was still, there was still a, some idea of like, there's a guy here in the sky who gives things like, you know, you, a God that is separate from the creation, the creator is separate from the created. And after visiting Auschwitz, I mean, I think I cried the entire time. And at the time I was, um, we tried six years to get pregnant and I just like was doing that thing. We were kind of in the, the name it, claim it zone, you know, and people are like, just believe and you're going to yep, get your thing. Yep, yep. And I remember standing and looking at, I mean, oh, oof, I, looking at mm. the trains and the, the crematoriums and going like, what the fuck kind of belief system is this? I'm going to name it and claim it. And what happened to all these people? And how has this never, how has this not gotten in this deep before? Like, I mean, it just felt like this layers, layers, like coming off my eyes and going, what can you pray for? What is prayer? What is God? That seems kind of like a fucked up God to be like, no, I choose you and not you. And you guys are all going to burn and you're going to get a baby, you know? And it changed my life. It really changed mm. going there. And then, um, uh, I stopped reading the Bible and Michael was like, don't tell anyone. <laughs> I shouldn't tell anyone. <laughs> that kind of thing. I was like, I can't, exactly. I can't pray anymore. I mean, at this point we're wow. working at a mega church in Michigan oh, wow. and yeah, like yeah. wonderful people. But I, I was going to school. Michael was going to school. It was like a church of 10,000 people and, and we're still traveling. And, and so we started being honest. I mean, we were, honest in our songs the doubt that we had but i think there's a thing about art and when you talk about doubt in music it the gravity of it i don't think people really understood until until much later and we're i mean everything had fallen apart for us michael we kind of did this thing for a while i was like i don't know if i believe this he's like well, i don't know if i believe this and we were constantly like i don't know if you should tell anyone but we would, we told our friends, we'd tell our best friends, but that it still felt scary. Cause we, at, we left Michigan. We started a church in Denver, Colorado, and it was just like a bunch Wait, so of, you started a church after yeah. you were starting to, after you stopped yeah. reading the Bible, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stop yeah. praying, stop reading the Bible. Let's start a church. <laughs> let's start a church. Cause I, cause I still believe, I was like, I think there's still something bigger than me. I still like believed in, in yeah. God. Um, I think I would like read the Bible sometimes, sometimes still, like pray a little, I was trying to like come back to something that, that I didn't know I could never come back to like that thing. Like once you wow. see it, yeah. you can't unsee yeah. it. And I was trying yeah, so hard. And we also like loved community. We loved community. I was raised in the church and and we, yeah, so we started a church. It was like a bunch of like hippie kids in a basement. And it was really, really fun. It was really fun. We had a great time. And 
we didn't know what we believed. And then eventually it was Michael who was like, I just, I don't believe in God anymore. And that's what scared me. At this point, we had our first daughter. And like, I remember strolling her in the little stroller and he's like, I don't believe any of this. And I was like, oh, Mm. that's not, that's not what we're doing. We're just questioning the structure, not the main thing, you know? And it was all very scary to let go. I know some people have this experience of letting go of faith and it feels very freeing, but our whole, our identity, our career, our money, just everything was here yeah and i'm like then why do we teach our kids what do we you know this if this isn't true it felt like like nothing's true so yeah everything really unraveled and after a while uh we and we left the church in denver and we came out to la and it was like every little piece of like was unraveling so there was like religion and then came reality what what do you think this is? And I think that the first taste of that for me was when I had our first daughter, there was some experience of like, I was kind of like outside of my body for a moment during delivery and like watching it, it was a a little bit dramatic um, towards like right after she was born, I was bleeding a lot. They couldn't stop the bleeding. And there was like, I separated from my body and could like watch the things that were happening. And I felt so much peace. Nothing was wrong. And like, everyone's like, oh my God, I could hear people say, she needs more blood. She needs blah, blah, blah. Like there was this tizzy happening. And I was like, I feel so calm. I was like going into some mm-hmm. other, some space that I couldn't explain what it was. And that was like the first taste, I think, for me, but I didn't fully grasp the connection, you know, of things. And uh, and then, so it was after that that everything fell apart for us. We, wow. our career fell apart. Um, we stopped traveling. We had our second daughter. Our second daughter was born, and we we're so excited about her birth that it was. In just in a really tumultuous time where our career was falling apart and she had to have two heart surgeries. So it was just like this shaking. Uh, I guess sometimes I want to say like shaking at the snow globe, but really it kind of felt like you just grab it and smash it <laughs> on the ground. Because <laughs> we're just like, so I don't this is, know yeah, what anything So that else. feels like it's the transition from chapter two to chapter three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, yeah. 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 So the, yeah, the way I would describe it is like the, that dot, you know, you're like, this is where I came from. And it turned to this. You're like, how far from the dot can I stretch? Mm. But that's still there. That the beginning point is still there. So anything you're doing is in relation to this. So then you're like, I feel so strange because this is where I've come from. And I was, it's like this stretching Thing was happening because still trying to hold that some kind of element from where you started. Yeah. I and just that realized way. that people yeah. are going to be listening to this and they're going to say, what is she doing with this dot? So oh, Lisa's yeah. holding up a, a pen. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so she's showing the length, you know, from one end of the pen to the pen. Yeah. P-E-N. The P-E-N. So if you're looking <laughs> at, yeah, if you turn the, and towards yourself to where it just looks like a circle or a point. Yeah. That's representative, yeah, of the dot. And then you turn it. 
where you see the full length of it, that's what to me is representative of like the second chapter. And then when you're able to like kind of turn it around in space and see that it's this 3D object, but also in relation, it's not just the object, but the space around it is also Mm. in a dance with this. Um, So instead of just this being the object, you know, it's like, it's just this expansion occurred. Wow. Yeah. So that's amazing. Um, Like what a, what a cool way to, to describe these like three levels of adult development that we also discussed. And I, we were talking before we started to push record and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get into the geekiness of Robert Keegan and developmental psychology, but I'll just say, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, but I think what you just described, it's a great way. Those stage three for Robert Keegan, who is now a a retired Harvard uh, developmental psychologist is what he calls the social mind stage where we see the world through the lens of our family, our social group, what is good, what is bad, what we want to, what, what we want out of life. All, all, all these things we see through the lens of our social group. Eventually this starts to break down as we see that this is really just an arbitrary, you know, way to view the world that the things that we thought were good or bad like sex before marriage or you know any myriad of things that you know i grew up with as well my dad was a baptist pastor um that we begin to see as we got into the world and so it's really fitting as well that 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 train ride to and and then visiting the concentration camps where it was, was like a major uh point in your personal growth because that is how we move from stage three to stage four is we start to see, oh, like this, like the way that I grew up is just one way of viewing, one arbitrary way of viewing the world. So it's really great, that idea of the pen, you know, it's like, oh, wait, wait, there's another way to view this, this, this thing. And mm-hmm. so now in stage four, which Keegan calls the self-authoring mind, we now have to figure out, okay, well, how am I going to view the world? How am I going to view myself? And now I can start to look around for frameworks and philosophies. And it's a struggle or in Keegan's uh, view, stage four is a struggle because you had this, this kind of cocoon of everything, all good, all bad. All your questions are answered by the social group that you grew up in. And then you get kind of pushed out of that or you get pulled out. And now you need to piece it together. And so, yeah, now you have this, 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 this PEN that you've shown the pen that has turned um, kind of, hor- you know, horizontally. And this can give you some structure of like, okay, okay things can come out. You know, we, we have some sort of structure here. One, things com- one thing comes after the next. Um, but what we get to, if we push stage four enough in Keegan's view is we start to see that there is no single framework, no single philosophy, no single way mm-hmm. of viewing the world that can possibly capture it. So even though mm-hmm. our our worldview did get bigger when it changed from that one pinpoint now to the length of the PEN, you know, it did get bigger, but we start to see, oh, this doesn't even capture it. And mm-hmm. that we actually live in a very fluid flowing um, world with multiple perspectives and all it's all great areas. And 
our own identities are just always in flux. We're never going to pin them down. We're never going to have that solid identity that we hoped for in stage four. We're like, maybe we can make it work. And so I loved how then at the end, you're, you're, you're turning the pin around. And it's not just that this pin now is this 3D object, but it is, but, it, but it, it exists in relationship to the space around it and a bunch of other 3D objects as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. yeah. and so, I mean, that's mm -hmm. just a great way to describe these, these, these kind of three adult stages for Keegan. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it makes me think about, I mean, I love the, is, would you call it a, the story or Psalms about the elephant, you know, the, the blindfolded oh, people yeah, who come yeah, to the right. elephant and they're all feeling different sides. Yeah. Like it's a snake. No, it's an alligator. No, it's a, they're all just feeling different sides of the elephant and you're, yeah. like, that's what we're all doing. We're like, no, this is my experience. This is what reality is because, because I'm here. I'm, touching this part of the pen or I'm touching this part of the elephant. And of course, like it just makes so much more sense to me now. Of course, people are going to fight and be like, no, this is, this is what it is because this is my experience. But if we can back away and see, we're just seeing this side of it. Or if it's like, you're over here, like, whoa, it's all, what is this plastic glassy looking part of the pen or the, the long, wiggly part of the elephant that feels like a snake it's like we can be like you're not this isn't true what your experience is isn't true because i'm not having that experience and that can be that's so important to get past that like well what is truth but to get past that means moving from stage three to stage four in keegan's model and we just talked about how dangerous that 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 is like if i mean it 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 is it is a really harrowing dangerous move for a lot of people because it will mean disrupting their family ties it could mean disrupting all of their friendships and then depending how how old you are when you do this it could disrupt your career and other things mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. why i think for most people they go through this in college if they make this move and it, the stakes are lower there because they're not married yet um, and they're in a, a broader cultural milieu where it's, yeah, everybody's changing, you know, to, to today I'm an anarchist, but maybe tomorrow I'll be. else. Yeah. And so college is the place where we can move out of stage from stage three to stage four. Uh, but it, 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 it gets almost impossible to do it later on in life really really hard really hard it's really hard later on in life and it, it feels like more recently in my own life has some of those relationships with family just gotten a little bit better it was just really tumultuous for a long time and it it seems like and I've always known my family's loved me the love was not a question but there was such friction between what we believed you know and I under I get it it's if I really believed my daughter was going to hell, yeah. I would say something about it all the time. <laughs> all, the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> all the time. So yeah. I think yeah. it's so, what's been so good for me to learn and is to know everyone is right where they're at. How could they be anywhere else? Yeah. You know, how could, and to have that compassion and to, I think it's easy to be somewhere in your state of mind and look back to where you were and be like, you shouldn't be. How could you, you know? And I'm like, well, I feel grateful for this 
experience I've had, I think it gives me the grace and compassion to go like, I, that was me. How could I judge that? Because that was me. Oh, yeah. No, one of the big things that it took me a long time. Oh, because I mean, I did go through this in college. It, it was it was it was actually at the end of end of high school for me. And then the year after high school, I didn't go to college the year after high school. But and when I started to really explore and totally reject my childhood faith, um, I I was like evangelical about the rejection. I and so I would go home to my parents about like, you guys got it all wrong. And and so I you know looking back on it, it's like a lot of the repair and the relationship really had to come from me. To them, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm so sorry. I love you exactly the way you are. But oh, um, it, it it was, uh, but realizing in my in my own healing journey that oh my god, everyone, we're like we're all doing the best we can. Even the people who are like seem to really not be doing well, you know, like Donald Trump, like he's actually doing the best he can, you know, and if he could do better, he would do better. And that's the, that's the same for everybody. It's like, if, if their system had the capacity to do better, they would be doing better, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I so, know. so yeah. a, a lot of mm-hmm. just compassion and understanding, you know, just as a quick aside, the, a lot of our judgment comes from the idea that we carry around free will and, you know, that like, well, we're, we're free agents and, you know, that mom could choose to do better. And, you know, my parents could have done, you know, things, you know, differently. I've come to believe instead of that, there is no free will, but that free will is on a gradation and that we are, as we heal and as we grow, we get little, we get a little bit more free will in our, like, there's a little bit more agency and I'm, and Maybe it's just an, uh, like a very small bit, but mm-hmm. I, I only, yeah, like, like I, uh, I don't know. This is, this is yeah. definitely a tangent, but just yeah. feeling into this idea that, yeah, like um, we're all doing the best we can. And yeah. if we could do better, we would. We would. We would. It, it, it makes me think this about this. Um, I was just talking to one of our mutual friends, Logan, about this. And this is a, Un, I don't know what to say. Like it's a theory, it's like an unfounded idea, but just this, I, it, I keep thinking about karma and what that is. And I'm starting to see it whether this is true or not. I don't know. Like I first want to say like, first of all, I know nothing. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, nothing. No, that's not true, Lisa, but okay. I know. So I know some things, but like, we're talking about like the nature, yeah, like reality or like this. this yeah, is, when, these it, are just when, ideas. It, when it comes to the fundamental nature of the fabric of reality, okay, right, right, exactly. So with free will, even as you're saying them, like oh, it that seems to coincide with this forming theory that karma is somehow related. And I, again, I could be completely wrong. There's maybe all kinds of people who are like, no, 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 no. I'm so, I'm so open to this discussion or this idea but that the karma is like the memory of the body that you're like you're living your karma when we look at epigenetics and how mm. you know things that happened to my grandmother that information was stored in my body because somehow like that information i was i was there 
because that information was already in my mom and my mom was in my grandmother. So when we, this is how we learn this beautiful code that we're given to say, Hey, this is what don't touch the fire or this is what's safe to touch. This is what's safe not to touch. Um, it's really, it's beautiful. It's not, a, it's not a good or bad, but that when we have these spaces where we can pause and say, am I reacting from, am I just reacting? Which to me would, it kind of seems like karma is this reaction. I've learned this. I'm going to react. Someone yells at me. I yell back. This is what we do. But can I get out of that space and go, this is what we do. This is what we've always done and act in whatever this idea of free will, where it's not just reaction, but there's some sense or some experience, whether that's true or not, I don't know some experience that I actually get to co-create a new experience with this present moment, instead of just reacting to what's happening here. Mm. And in my view and my own experience, that's only possible, I think in the further reaches of stage four and into stage five uh, of the Keegan developmental growth like i mean this mm. this is a personal growth journey like this is not something that certainly we uh that the dominant cultural practices and modes invite us into and teach us how to do mm -mm. Yeah. yeah 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 so we're in basically chapter three of your life now would you say that you are you are still in chapter three and if so how would you describe this chapter three or are you do you feel like there's a chapter four on on the horizon here yeah i guess i i, I do think that there is a a chapter four um it's interesting like the you know the places of your just a private life that you're like, do I talk about this thing or is that something oh, yeah. that's held? But it, it feels so mm. tied to just this chapter four for me, I guess it, it would basically be just learning like when all the identity, I guess is stripped away. I think in chapter three, there was still some sense of identity around uh, Lisa, like this is who I am, this is what I do, even though all these other things have fallen apart and reality has kind of like unraveled and I'm trying to reconstruct what that is. I, I feel more now a dance happening. There's like, it, there doesn't seem like there's a deconstruction happening anymore, but a a letting go daily of this, like mm. the things that I cling to for self-identification for some false sense of security. And it seems like though that um, impetus is uh, looser, it used to be more like letting go of those things felt more rigid. And now it's like, Oh yeah, remember? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Instead of like a oh no, I gotta like keep, I gotta keep it, I gotta, I need this to belong to me, so that I can maintain my self in the world. And it's more now like just this breathing breath. It almost more feels like 
I remember I'm in part of a river that is mm. constantly flowing, that the, uh, the yeah. identification is not here. It's like, well, what is moving? What is leaving? What is coming? That's constant, that change is always happening, not just at like death and birth, but every moment right here. And, and that feels more open than it did, I guess I would say, like in chapter three. Yeah. It feels more, wow. more breath and more. I mm. find my sense of um, my grounding way less in the things around me. And I, can, I think I can spot it more clearly now. Like, oh, this mm. is the thing that I need. I'll like reach out to that. Oh, this is the person. This is the new relationship. This is the friend. This is the, if I just do this with my daughter, you know, my kids. This is the like, anchor. Yeah. Like this is, this is what's gonna, yeah, this is mm -hmm. what's gonna anchor me. And like none of those work anymore. They just don't so work. Lisa, what, what is coming up for me hearing that is how IFS, internal family systems, has allowed me well to listen to what you just said and feel like oh that feels that feels familiar like that feels like something that you know that has that that is that is still very much unfolding and will i i i think will unfold you know for the rest of my life but mm -hmm. what ifs has really allowed for this more in my system because now i can see how different parts click in to activate of like, okay, this is, this is my, you know, father part. And this is my husband part. And this is, you know, all of the identity is like our, for all of the normal identity marker stuff is connected to parts for me. Mm -hmm. And that when I get enough space and there's a lot of capital S self and for listeners who I, I'm, I think most, most of the people listening to this podcast will be familiar with IFS. We, we have many, many good IFS podcasts that you'll, you would be able to go back and get um, some more context for these words. But when I have a lot of capital S self, true self, there is that sense of just flow. It's compassion. It's calmness. It's a groundedness without needing to hold on to anything. You know? Yeah. 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 Oh my. And it feels so much better. Like the things that I've tried to grasp onto to give that certainty, it doesn't feel good. Like I'm starting to notice the difference in my body. And I'm like, yeah. oh, but I just want to, I just want to yeah. do the same. If my daughter can just, if I just spend enough time or if I just do enough things as a good parent, then I'll have oh this God, feeling, parent, you know, yeah, the parent part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, for me, it, I, I guess maybe it's transitional from, for, for, for me, but it's a sense of like, Oh, I see you part, the part that like needs that. And I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to help you meet your needs, but I can yeah. see that this is, that this is a part and that part's carrying that. And so it's no longer me. It's no longer Justin, you know, I get a little bit of space and, um, and it doesn't feel so disorienting. It's like, yeah, like this is the father part. And, you know, and, and I, I, I can, I can bring that part closer at times and I can ask that part to sit next to me and not be so close. And mm -hmm. I have a much more fluid relationship now with these different roles and identities. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's so helpful with like, yeah, with moving forward, like when you can see that, and you're like, what is this? 
am I going to this thing because this helps me? I know in IFS and I really like this, they, they, I'm still learning IFS, but is it that they don't really like using the word ego? Is that right? Yeah, no, the ego doesn't make sense because all these parts make up, you know, quote yeah. the ego. And so it's, it, it just isn't, isn't descriptive. It, it, it isn't precise enough when we say ego is like, what are you talking about? We have all these parts that yeah. can come, come on in different times and in different ways and have different needs and different roles. Yeah. 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 So it's, yeah, I think that the IS framework has been really helpful. Even in that, I mean, I think there was a, for me, there's been a bad connotation around ego. Like, this is the thing, this is the thing we have to get rid of. Right, right. (laughs) Cool. How do you do that? (laughs) Yeah. And Um, how much conflict does that cause? I mean, I I can hear it in new clients that I'll have where if they, if they talk about, oh, like that's ego or, and I, and I just hear the, like, the stress in the system. And it's like, oh no, those are just parts, and we can love those parts. And we get, we get, we can develop a beautiful relationship with those parts. The, yeah, like we don't. We and the cool thing about IFS is like no parts get kicked off the island. Nobody, you know, gets gets kicked out. All these parts mm-hmm. are going to be here. And so, when a part has outlived or is is ready for a new job, it will let you know if you have a good relationship with it. And it's like the part will say, yeah, like I no longer want to be the internal critic or the outward critic, or I no longer want to be the one who, you know, has to do this Mm -hmm. or this or that. And Mm -hmm. we can, when there's enough true self in the system, we just ask like, what do you want to do? And these Mm -hmm. parts will usually tell us. Yeah. Like instead yeah. of being the internal critic, like I want to be your cheerleader. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's been such a big one for me. Such a big one. There can be a lot of like jealousy, like relation in like particularly in like my um co-parenting relationship and or there has been. And I feel like such a turn to be like, oh, why have I why was that there? I was trying I was just trying to protect myself, and now it there was turns a part. to this there like was a part there was a part trying trying to protect you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now it feels like that has really like really kind of like let go, and I feel so much more ability and spaciousness to be like, look at how we all are giving to each other. Like we can be the cheerleader instead of the the critic. Like, oh my God, that's like, that's beautiful. Go do this thing, do this trip, do this. What, let your life expand. You know, I think especially when you have, um, when you've been with someone for a long time and you have kids and like, and for Michael and I've also built like businesses together, you know, it's like, you can start doing this to protect. Like I have to protect this little island so it doesn't fall apart. And then. And it's been such a beautiful realization to go like, I don't have to, I don't have to protect that. Like you're really building your own little prison when you're doing that. You're, it's not protection. It's, I mean, in a way it's a protection, but it's, it, it's and blocks. In the process of getting to where you are saying of just this kind of open spaciousness, there can be a lot, just simply noticing the part, speaking for the part. 
coming into relationship with the part and not even trying to change it. Like I see you're really upset about this. I'm not trying to make you not upset or anything, but I just want you to know that I'm part, I'm here for you. Oh my <laughs> and gosh. I yeah. you and it makes sense. Uh, and I'm yeah. not trying to change you. And oh. the, <laughs> the, the space that, 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 that opens up in the system is wonderful. And it's like, we don't need to change anything. And these parts will grow and heal if, as long yeah. as they're, they're just cu coming into relationship with us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Starting in chapter three and on into chapter four, a big part of what you do is retreats. And so you do these sacred feminine retreats. And so can you tell the listeners, uh, just a little bit about these retreats, how they started, what 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 you do, um, your uh, partner Hillary in the, the retreats, and yeah, just yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I want to hear all about it. Tell you about it. Tell you about it. Uh, there's, I love it so much. I just, uh, we, um, it, it's hard to kind of like wrap words around it, um, but decided to start these retreats because of this experience that I had had with coming out of, out of the church and missing community and also realizing how not only how separated I felt from women. And, and that's an, it, it's interesting to say that because I'd always felt like I had, I've always had really great women friends. Like I've had really close friends. I feel that that wasn't ever like really missing in my life, but there are these stories still connected to it. Like, what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a good woman? And what does it mean to be in relationship with other women? And how, um, just, just any stories that we're holding on to that don't serve us anymore. And, and how do I perpetuate some of these negative stories? So we just started getting together, having these retreats. I, I'm a certified yoga teacher. So I was doing yoga. I was doing sound stuff. Like I was just singing together. Again, growing up in the church, there's something about singing, and not just the church. Or any concert, <laughs> go to go to a music, a musical experience. Like there's something that happens in your body. And the more that I've gotten into that zone, I've you know just done a little little bit of studying around that. How it like lights up more areas of your brain. You're having a full body experience. So, so we do all of these things to help us come into connection with ourselves, better connection with ourselves, listening. What is my body saying? Seeing it as a pointer, because we can be so afraid, especially women who have come out of religious contexts. It's like this, uh, for anyone who can't see, I'm like pointing to all the different parts of my body. This is, this is the reason for the fall of man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the Everything sucks. Body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these these ladies, right? Someone showed her boobs and yep. all that And it all up. went to hell. <laughs> like, that's all? That's all that happened? I mean, the body, body's amazing. It's a fragile, like, yeah. It's a fragile oh, universe. A we, fragile we, system, we guys. Yeah. yeah. Don't cross that street or it's all going to fall apart. You're like, really? That was it? But uh, so there's so much shame, all these shame stories, you know, and thinking that we need to transcend this body. This is the place that we experience pain. And, and it's really beautiful, these mechanisms that our body creates to escape the painful experience. Your mind can go somewhere else. It's really that that's not a bad thing. But a lot of the practices we do is like, how much 
and we be here. So it's like a, a lot of grounding. How can we start here and love ourselves, love our bodies, connect with ourselves, connecting with each other? Like we're we're wounded in relationships. So this idea that we heal through relationship. So we're doing all these different things to help us kind of settle into ourselves, see each other, you know, like we did at the men's thing, eye gazing. There's just something about sitting and looking at someone else and noticing what's happening in you. Doing yoga, you know, synchronized movements, feeling what's happening in your body, learning that it's this this connection between the mind and the body. We do dance, ecstatic dance is just free movement. And again, you're just listening to what your body is saying. And um, so everything we do at the retreat has an element of like we're connecting with ourselves and connecting each other. And we go between experience, we're experiencing, we're moving, we're doing yoga, we're eye gazing, and then we're giving it context. So we do group process around it. So yeah, it's a two and a half day retreat. And I do it with my friend, um, Dr. Hillary McBride. She's a licensed therapist, a clinical, has her degree in clinical psychology, is an expert in group process. And it's been so beautiful to see how we've both kind of like honed in. When we first started the retreat, it was a, it was a lot. We had a lot of things planned and it was just, it was too much. Uh, so it feels like we found this like really sweet spot and how I love working with her, how we work together just feels really fluid. Yeah. I, I remember this saying that I picked up in um, uh, my IFS trainings that the body is always truthing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you yeah. can, you know, if you're ever like, what's happening? It's like, what's, what's happening in your body? Cause the body is always truthing. And, yes. and so in IFS, we're always mm-hmm. coming back to the body because that's where parts are. Now that's not always where we're going to necessarily experience them. If we've experienced some big trauma, we might have parts that are that way out, way you know, way out of our body. But when we start to come into relationship with them, they're always, they're always in the body. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, the body truths. Yeah. It truths. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's wild to feel like how scary that can feel, and how many women I've heard say, "Well, I, I can't believe what it's saying." You know, so there's this thing like I, it, like, well, yeah, honey, like you're. It's telling a truth about your experience. It might not be the truth of the world or saying the full truth of the story that happened, but you experienced something that is true. Absolutely. Undeniable. Yeah. And, oh yeah, no, I, I, I love, I love all of that. It sounds, uh, it sounds amazing. Um, and I can't, yeah, I can't wait to, um, experience it someday i don't know how but, i hope so yeah. well we had we had we had two men's retreats actually so it started as yes. women's retreats and then we had two for men it, it, that experience was incredible i mean there's always a part in the night where just naturally people come together and they're just like holding each other and just to feel that safety especially even as a facilitator to feel that safety with like all these men just holding each other. Like at one point, everyone took a turn on the inside of the group and just Mm -hmm. everyone was just like breathing together. And what that did for our nervous systems is Mm -hmm. it's hard to explain. 
Well, as you are explaining, no. I could just feel it in my body. I'm just like relaxing. Yeah. Like, oh. I see. You're like, oh. <laughs> oh yeah, <so. laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so okay, good. Okay, so how can people follow up with you and find out more about you? What are some of the channels? I'm on Instagram. I feel like I'm pretty... I've been uh, trying to get better at posting things that I'm doing on Instagram and social media. So hopefully I'll be better now. Uh, but I'm on Instagram. It's Lisa Gunger. I also make music under Isa. So it's I-S-A underscore Ma, M-A, Isa Ma. And then um, Gunger. Gunger music has also been something I've been a part of for a long time. I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a pullback for that first season. And just focusing on on this work and, and side project music. And then um, Sacred Feminine has a website. It's sacredfeminine.co. Um, but it's very minimal. And anything that we're doing, we post on our Instagram. Cool. Okay. So uh, the question. three questions we ask every guest at the end. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Uh -oh. So the first uh -oh. one, Lisa, if you could stick a post-it note on everyone's refrigerator tomorrow morning. It's just, they wake up, boom, post-it note right on the fridge. What would it say? This is not going to be profound. The first thing that came to me was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the first thing that came to me was, oh, now I'm embarrassed, was farts. Because it's just like, <laughs> they just want to, just want to, just start the day the off with some playfulness. Yes. To the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yes, it's like yes, life is just so serious sometimes. And I just, I'm such a fan of comedy. I love to be silly. So it's like anything that gets me out of the like, oh my God, this is serious. I have to, what do I need to remember? You know, what's the yeah, thing that I need arts. to remember today? It's like, all right, just going yeah. to, I don't know. Okay, well, now then I feel this embarrassed. Will be I'm, really interesting. So the next two are going to be, I'm <laughs> super, I'm, I'm like on the edge of my seat for the next two. Okay, so the okay. next one is, have you read or heard a quote lately that has changed the way you think or feel? Not to sound too like on brand here, but it is like the IFS work has been really beautiful that all parts belong has mm. really been impactful for me. I know it's been around for a long time. I just hadn't gotten that into it before. And I love that the little turn of words that help because there's all kinds of other books that I've read and things that I've done and Sedona method. It's been really helpful for me, all kinds of different spiritual teachers that I love. And then there's something about that, that it, that is helpful. Like I don't have to, there's nothing I'm trying to get rid of, mm -mm. but loving, loving it all. Yeah. All parts belong. All parts belong. Or as the title of uh, Richard Schwartz, the creator of Internal Family Systems, no bad parts. There are no yeah. bad parts. Yeah. And one thing, so the third and final question is one thing that is giving you hope right now. I just had a birthday and all of the love that I felt and just taking time with each person and friend. Like pe people, people are just giving me hope. I know that's like multiple one thing, but mm. people are. It's, I know it's easy to be like, yeah, people are just destroying everything and they're taking, they're, and I just, I've been in this sweet zone of seeing the goodness of people and the compassion and the empathy and the, 
how I felt held through this season of my life. It's been really hard. Oh my goodness, it's like renewed my 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 hope. Yeah. People. <laughs> people. It's people. Yeah. People. Yeah, beautiful. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me on the Yes Collective yeah. podcast. This is a real, real pleasure. Oh, thanks. Pleasure. I'm glad to. Hey, thanks for listening to the Yes Collective podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, tell a friend, and head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. See you next time.